This is Channel 253. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Candice. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, informing an empowered electorate. I thought we were empowering an informed electorate. In in the the city city of destiny. Hi, Candace. <laughs> With an S. <laughs> Today we talked to uh, Port Commission candidate Deanna Keller about her run for the Port of Tacoma. We hit on a couple saucy things there. Yeah, we got we we dug pretty deep. I'll oh. say. All right. Enjoy. Welcome to Citizen Tacoma. This is our third installment of the candidate interviews for election 2019. We are here today with Deanna Keller. Hi, Deanna. Hi, how are you? Good. This is my first podcast. First so podcast. Yeah. Awesome. Excited about it. Well, welcome. Uh, so you're running for port position three. Yes. Cool. And um, have you ever run for office before? I have not. I've been elected to, you know, certain boards and commissions and things like that, but not in a public fashion like this. But Mm -hmm. other board members have elected me to be their president or their chairman. Okay. That sort of thing. Right on. And um, so tell us a little bit about yourself for folks out there who don't know you. I grew up in Federal Way a long time ago and (laughs) went to uh, Thomas Jefferson High School. Uh, went to Western Washington University, had my bachelor's degree there, um, earned my bachelor's there. I went to, um, got my master's at uh, Northwestern University in Illinois, Evanston, Illinois. Good journalism um, school. It is a really good school <laughs> in every way. So, um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Also went to Catholic University of America working on my PhD. I decided to, I got about halfway through the program and ended up finding out that my husband and I were expecting my first child. Wow. And I decided to not continue, and I felt that it was more important for me to raise this child and um, and haven't regretted it, but it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what else have I done? I, um, what was your PhD in? Or what were you studying? What was your master's? Like, what's oh, kind of the line of— History. History, um, okay. Yeah. And then the, the master's was in music, wow. so music performance. And, Whoa. Yeah. So I started out um, in music as a, as a teacher, as a high school band director, actually, um, taught in Oregon and then in Federal Way. And then that's when I got accepted to Northwestern University. And while I was at Northwestern, um, I decided to audition for the United States Marine Band in Washington, D.C. I sent in my application and a resume. They invited me to the audition. Didn't think I was going to get it. I was going to go back to teaching a high school band. And I won the audition out of yeah. 50 people. So wow. it was it was very a great experience. Was in there for five years, and that's where I worked on my PhD. Came back to start Miss the Pacific Northwest, and came back into Pierce County. Lived in Sumner, taught at Lakes High School. Um, uh, Puyallup High School ended up recruiting me, um, so uh, was the high school bander at PHS, and uh, then 
went on to be their music district music supervisor and then became uh, had a lot of uh, principal friends suggesting that I needed to go into uh, being a principal or an assistant principal. Became an assistant principal at Stahl Junior High, then at um, uh, Woodland Elementary as a, as a, as a principal, for, and I was there for eight years. I uh, went to Clover Park. I wanted to be a principal in a Title I school. I was at Park Lodge Elementary and thoroughly enjoyed that. And my husband at that time said, I really need your help kind of expanding some of the business. Can you please join me? We could have regular schedules together. And he did kind of a nice little bait and switch on me. What he did was um, having me do a lot of sales. And then I ended up being production manager. Then I was general manager. And they said, why don't you run the whole thing? (laughs) I'm going to retire. You just stay back and run the business. I know. (laughs) But it's been fun because, you know, I have a, a lot of different. And he was surprised that a principal would really know about business. And, you know, you're a cheerleader for your school. You know how to fiscally be responsible. You know how to communicate out with people. You know how to pull people together to collaborate, which is what we've done in the business. I've, um, we had, uh, when I first arrived, it was pretty clear that people were finger pointing at each other when blaming if there something went wrong. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was usually sales and production. And so we ended up having pulling together what I did when I was a principal, having a management team, getting representatives from all facets of the business, and then we all worked together for a common goal. And it took a while. You know, when you change, mm-hmm. try to change culture, it, it takes a while. And but, so what's that business? I don't think we introduced what sure. you guys do. Yeah, Caltech Plastics. And it's up off of um, South Pine Street. Yeah, you're right by my office. I work at Workforce Central. Oh, you do? Yeah. Good. Well, I need to talk to you about that sometime because I, I spend a lot of time when we hire... We We recruit kids that um, are basically unskilled workers who want to, you know, learn a new trade. And Mm -hmm. we end up, they come in, they sweep floors, they peel plastic. And then what they end up doing is leaving, we stay as machine operators. So we have people doing CNCs, um, vacuum formers, routers, CNC routers, um, you know, all of that. So, um, and we're really proud of that. That's great. Yeah. Work experience is, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. good for the kids. Anyway, sorry, not to get on the workforce development track. Back to the Port of Tacoma track. Um, so how long have you been, and do you guys, is that your, it's your business, family yes. owned? It's family owned, mm-hmm. but I, like I said, my husband gave me um, the majority shares of the okay. business. So I'm legally responsible for the entire business, which is kind of it's scary, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where you protect it. Um, you're socially um, responsible also for all these families. So we make sure that there's profit sharing. We make sure that there's um, that they have um, family wage jobs. We make sure that they have health benefits and all of that. And nice. they get to help decide some of those things as well. Good. And what do you guys do? do for the layperson like me. Okay. So most of the work that you would know that we've done, if you go into Nordstrom, you will see uh, acrylic um, display cases Mm -hmm. for cosmetics and things like that. We build those internationally and nationally for Nordstrom. We do uh, wide area format printing. Um, You'll see a lot of the banners and signs and things like that. They've been one of our biggest customers. We also do retail... um, 
things for people who, who come in and want to project. You know, mm-hmm. we'll sell them the solvents. They'll say that, you know, I'm, bi- I'm building a fish tank. How do I do this? And so we'll sell them the material. And I keep telling um, some of our guys that we ought to open it up on a Saturday and have kind of a projecting, a teaching thing for people <laughs> who want to do that. And it's a pretty steady part of our business. Mm-hmm. But my husband has also said that if you were to take open up the yellow pages, which we don't use anymore, of course. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. And you put your finger on anything. We've sold to almost anybody. You wow. know, people who come in and want to have, um, if they have a shuhuli, they want to have, you know, a casing built for it or um, special doll collections or um, some people, like I said, fish tanks or mm-hmm. we've had, we've done reptile tanks. We sell to um, Museum of Flight, Mopop, wow. all of those folks. So a lot of museum quality stuff. Wow. And how long have you guys been in business? 37 years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we've seen it's it's hard for a lot of people to stay in business for 37 years, especially for a small business. And, you know, we've been through the 2008 recession and made it through. And, um, mm. you know, it's you see up, up years and down years. And but, you know, we know how to turn it around when we when we need to. And we have great suppliers and great customers who stick with us. And um, we, great. we enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good good Tacoma story, small business story. Um, so you, I also heard that, well, you're obviously a musician. Yes. Or for a long time. And you play clarinet? Yes. And you played with the Tacoma Symphony? Yes. Wow. Tell us about that. Um, well, this is when it was a volunteer symphony. Okay. And I think, um, Ed Safarian was the professor at UPS and he, you know, gave his time to, and all of the music, a lot of music educators in the area would come in and, and we'd play, like you said, a volunteer group. Now it's kind of grown into its its own entity and mm-hmm. its own professional entity, which is wonderful. Um, and I did that, gosh, I want to say it was while I was in college and I come home in the summertime and, um, and played whenever they asked me to play. I also played with Pacific Northwest Ballet uh-huh. and did that as a, um, I was whenever they uh, had someone who couldn't make it to a job, then I would be the one that that was first call for That's that. Cool. And yeah. wow, that must have been fun. It was fun. Yeah, I don't know. I should have asked you to bring your clarinet and play something. <laughs> oh my gosh, I haven't played in a while, but <laughs> been too busy. You and Doug could jam. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I started playing ukulele, so or oh. I should say ukulele. But yeah, I bought one and I love it. So. Is it like easy for someone who has played clarinet to switch over to an instrument like that? Or well, the bad thing is that when you get to a certain point on an instrument it, and it, you start a new instrument, you can't play it the way that you do with your other one. Like I mm-hmm. started playing when I was in fourth grade, so mm-hmm. um, you know it's been a long time, and I know the instrument very well. But so I get frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> so I can understand, you know, kids going into band or orchestra or something like that, how frustrated they get. So. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to get to a point where, you know, I can entertain everybody <laughs> and myself. So. Around the campfire. I know, right? <laughs> On the port commission, perhaps. I know. Well, <laughs> so uh, you are from Gig Harbor, living or li- living Gig Harbor, not from Gig Harbor. Right. Um, you also filed for the Public Disclosure Commission to potentially run for Gig Harbor City Council this year? Yes. Tell us about that. Well, I originally wanted to, I had a group of people who were saying, you need to run for office. And Mm -hmm. last year, they tried to get me to run for the House of Representatives here at state level. And I went through taking a look at it. I even interviewed some campaign consultants and all of that. And I decided that for my 
um, my business that I couldn't spend that kind of time away from the business. Mm. It's just I, I need to be there. Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, be away for part of the day, but I can't be there for – can't be away from it for weeks on end. And it wasn't going to work out. So the same group came back and said, we have some nonpartisan races. We'd love to see <laughs> you, you run. And I thought, city council, I could do that. I'd be interested. Went to a couple of city council meetings. And then I filed – and then I started getting calls from folks t- about the Port of Tacoma Commission, mm-hmm. and I thought about it. But you know, I thought a county-wide race, my first race, um, that it would be, you know, fairly difficult. But the more that I thought about it, the more interested I was in the Port of Tacoma Commission. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, being in manufacturing, I love machines. I love doing all of that, using my governmental experience to be able to pull people together because, as you know, there's some strained relationships mm-hmm. there at the port. And I enjoy um, sharing back out. I am surprised. I have surprised myself that I love doorbelling. I love it <laughs> when people call me and go to meetings. I just really like to meet people. So I'm looking forward to using all of those skills, the business skills, looking at profit and loss statements, looking at and utilizing everyone else's strengths too on the commission as well as all the governmental agencies around and pulling it together. I know a lot of folks on city council, good friends, a lot of people on county council, um, you know, have a lot of bipartisan support that I plan to lean into if I'm elected. So do that help? Yeah. Um, so you haven't run for office before. What were there? Was there a specific issue that drew you to the port, or just kind of your experience matched with your relationships and the work of the port, or was there anything specific that drew you to it? Specific would probably be um, my husband and I have been boaters for a long time, mm-hmm. and so are good friends with a lot of the maritime industries down at the port. So. Um, and have, you know, it's like I've spent the last couple of months going down to the port and taking a look at the different businesses. I toured the Tote Maritime ships or more specifically North Star. Mm-hmm. I've um, Monique uh, Trudnowski she is a good friend. And actually, she's the first person who called me and said, you need to run for the port. Oh, but, yeah? Yeah. But, youth, you know, the Youth Marine Foundation, we've yeah. been great supporters of them. I joined the Propeller Club. Um, I'm on the Transportation Club. Um, I'm specifically interested in solving the infrastructure issues. I mean, it is it's difficult for everybody who lives around the port, mm. um, you know, roads and access and that sort of thing. Yes. Mm. And I know some good work's being done with that. And I know that the commissioners, current commissioners are working on a strategic plan to help address some of those things. So I'd like to be part of that so that, you know, get that solved. Mm. And so um, that's and you wanted to ask about other... Oh, yeah. So, well, uh, I mean, that's... That's one of the big ones for right. me that interested me. Um, so what do you see as kind of the top three issues facing the port right now? And what would you do to work on them or solve them or work toward a solution? Well, I think there's strained relationships. And I want to say that it comes down to communication. Mm. Because when people sit down and they talk with each other and start to understand, kind of develop that Venn diagram of, you know, where do, you want, where do we want to go with this? And the sub area plan is going to be great for that. So I'm excited about that. But, mm. you know, wanting to make sure that uh, people know that, you know, I'm open to having those discussions. I don't have a hard time with getting in front of something and to sit down and talk with people. And, you know, we can agree to disagree, but I 
operate the same way that I would as a principal, that I listen to all sides of the story and then help guide people to getting things done mm-hmm. the way that they should be done. And by stream relationships, are you talking about the Puyallup tribe? I think the Puyallup tribe, I think, you know, if you look at the history, certainly of, you know, the Port of Tacoma in that area and the Puyallup tribe, it's fairly heartbreaking, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, um, you know, having respect and communication all the way around, also making sure that they, you know, are respected as a governmental agency themselves and continuing to reach out. I've tried several times and I know I'm a candidate, so it makes it a little dicey for them, but I have reached out several times and I'm still going to do that because mm-hmm. because I care and because they live there. We all live together. We are a community and we need to understand each other. So I think that you know, there's a lot of that. The other part that I hear from people when I go out into neighborhoods, my doorbell, is that they don't get a lot of communication back out from the port. Mm-hmm. And I started doing things as my experiment with this campaign on my Facebook page. I've shown um, I had different segments of stories going down through the tote ships and showing the inside of the ships, talking about the people. Um, so like you it, recording them yourself and yeah, that sort of yeah. thing? Okay. Yeah. I'm not good at Facebook Live or just... <laughs> Me lot, either. Yeah. And a lot of people are not comfortable with it because you can't control, you know, somebody, like if you get a streaker or something running past. Have you had a streaker no, in your Facebook not. Live? I have not. But, <laughs> I mean, that would have been pretty funny, but yeah. yeah. Would have been, it would have been tough for you as a candidate. I know, right, yeah. for sure. But, but have people been responding well to that sort of exposure kind of showing yeah. them, hey, this is what the inside of a ship looks like. or Yes. Mm-hmm. And going up on the cranes, been up on the cranes wow. and operating those. And that was fun. Listening to people. Um, did a port tour with um, Todd Iverson, who's um, mm-hmm. you know, a longshore worker, and asking him what he thinks needs to be done in terms of infrastructure. And he believes that there still needs to be better teamwork between the port and, and the workers there. And so I'm looking forward to doing that. I've done a lot of collective bargaining as a, as a teacher and a principal. And uh, as a teacher, I was a union member as well as mm-hmm. worked uh, as a lobbyist for one year um, with WEA. Okay. Uh, Washington Educators. Washington Education Association, right. Okay. So I understand some of the needs. And I think that if we can get everybody to work together, we can create an efficient port that, and I know they're proud of the port. Mm -hmm. And there's a terrific admin staff as well. So I'm going to continue to propose to to bring people together that way and also communicate out to – to folks going to a lot of events, doing some doorbelling, continuing to do that. Just say, I'm your port commissioner. I'm going to, you know, tell you some of the work that we've done, maybe doing town halls or things like that, mm-hmm. you know, just communicating back out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because in the past, uh, until maybe the last couple of years, no one's really paid too much attention to the port commission. So yeah. it seems like they they don't they haven't been scrutinized the way they've been scrutinized in the last few years, especially with the liquefied natural gas project and the methanol right. plant and everything. So we're having someone to come out into the community and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what we do. I think that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. So kind of uh, strange relationships is one. Uh, communication out to the public is maybe issue number two. Or would you say those go together? They kind of go together. Okay. I think the other one is also um, good uh, environmental stewardship, making sure that that's being done. I went with uh, Melissa Malott um, last week. I asked to um, go on a tour to see what they do and mm-hmm. how they patrol. And we talked about specific businesses that a lot of them are being good environmental stewards and, and the way that 
Citizens for a Healthy Bay is working with them. It's it's very much a partnership kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she watched her keep track and make notes and help pick up some trash, that some stray things. But actually, you know, there's a lot of work that's been done, a lot more work to be done, too. Mm-hmm. But um, we need to also make sure that people who are uh, leasing properties at the port, that they are, um, that, you know, we are monitoring that, making sure that what happened with the dry cleaning facility. Um, accidental. Yeah, accidental mm-hmm. does not happen again. And I know they're trying to clean up and apparently they don't have the technology, but it shouldn't be resting on the shoulders of the taxpayers mm-hmm. at all. So it should, they need to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And, but I want to be proactive about it and not wait till something happens and then we have to clean it up. So. Right. So Occidental, I believe, is the last of seven Superfund sites in Tacoma and the last that hasn't been cleaned up at this point. Yes. Yeah. And I know that EPA comes in. Melissa explained that they come in every five years to um, uh, continue to make sure that things are being cleaned and that progress is being made. And I, I know that the last letter that she wrote to EPA was saying that she still wants those sites to be on their radar. Mm-hmm. So if something does happen, we do have some purse strings that we can utilize with that. Right. We right. don't want to close those cases. We just want to leave them open and keep keep an eye on it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought up environmental stewardship because it goes with a lot of the questions I have planned. But oh, what's your third major issue, do you think, on the port? Third major issue was, again, infrastructure that we right, talked about, right, right. both the internal and the external. And the external is definitely advocating, um, leaning into our elected officials. Jake Fay's done a, a great job. Um, and Patty Murray is also doing a lot to um, try and, and, and help with, with some things from the federal level. So mm-hmm. I think that getting, again, if you have good in, good governmental agency friendships and relationships, then uh, and it works both ways, too. But then you can get things done. You know, I believe in working together, collaborating, we can get things done much more quickly. Right. All right. Um, so we you touched on environmental stewardship. What is your position on Puget Sound Energy's liquefied natural gas plant that they're building on the Tide Flats? And also, uh, what is your position on the city's interim regulations that they have for that area? Okay. Mm -hmm. So the first one, it's a very complex issue. And I've been doing a lot of research about it. So it may sound like a politician's beginning part of an answer, but I will (laughs) give you where I'm at right now, you know, with with the information that I have. And I'm waiting for others to see if there's something out there that's, that's better. But... In looking at this, in in talking with longshoremen, they are not breathing clean air. They're breathing a lot of diesel fumes every day, bunker oil fumes. Um, Tote Maritime has got a contract with Puget Sound Energy for uh, fuel for LNG, which Mm -hmm. is probably was initiating all of this. Um, And they've also sunk, you know, quite a bit of money into um, working on their – changing out their engines. And they've done that, I believe, in their Florida-Puerto Rico mm-hmm. runs. So they've already started that process. FOSS Maritime is also with their tugs are doing the same thing. So they're already down that path. So they need to be looking for LNG, obviously, to fuel their ships. And they're doing it because they want to be good environmental stewards. They want to do what's best to clean up the air. Um immediately as soon as they can. And so in taking a look at those kinds of things, I understand why the facility happened. From my vantage point, 
at this point in time, I see it as an exchange of fossil fuels. I don't see it as an expansion. I think we need to get rid of coal and all of that. But I would like to immediately do whatever we can right now to clean up our air um, for everyone while we're also looking for other alternatives. Mm -hmm. And I know that we just don't have the technology right now. And it could be waiting 10, 15 years to get something that, you know, for these ocean-going vessels to see, you know, if they can, you know, work with those. There's been a lot of conversation about um, hydrocarbon fuel cells. And I think the problem with that is it hasn't been tested in open sea and there's potential for, you know, explosions and all of that. So, you know... I'm just going to continue to take a look at, um, you know, for now, I'm okay with it, but I'm not okay with the emissions that it, it creates, and mm-hmm. I'm not okay with fracking and, I'm, and fossil fuels. But, you know, for me, it's a very difficult, uh, complex conversation to have because then people think that I'm, you know, happy about fossil fuels, and that's not the case at all. Right. So, but I think we can do an awful lot of things like uh, go to our light duty vehicles and immediately change those over to electric mm-hmm. and and do some things that can can also reduce emissions immediately at the port. I know that there are um, CO2 capture um, things. So, like I said, I've been doing a lot of, of researching and um, I just wish there was an immediate answer to, you know, to to create a win-win for everybody, for this planet, for our environment, for the folks living around it too. So it sounds like you've done a lot of the research and it seems, I mean, from, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast in the last couple months. Um, And like a couple years ago, even 2015, people were like, oh, LNG, like cleaner seems like, you know, a good middle ground, seems like a good a good bet to at least be a bridge to the future. But now we're learning all we're learning, like you said, about the uh, methane release in the lo- kind of life cycle of uh, LNG in the pipeline and and how harmful it is to the environment in the first 20 years specifically right. of emissions. I mean, do you just because it's like, is it the right thing to do because it's underway and it's already there for now? Or if you could, would you stop the clock and kind of go back and, and reevaluate? Well, certainly everybody probably would do that too. <laughs> you know, it would Puget Sand Energy would do that, and I'm sure that Tote Maritime would do that as well. So uh, there are people who did that at that period of time thinking it was the best possible solution. Um, is it better in the short run to not do anything if it's going to be 10, 15 years, you know, uh, it's, it's basically, it's a, like I said, it's a very complex issue mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like a, you know, which it's six, six of one and half dozen of, or sorry, half dozen of another. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, what can we do to get it cleaner to, um, like I said, Tote can't can't walk back from their contract. They can't walk back from changing all those engines. So um, for now, I we just we just need to continue to take a look at the new technology that we can do get it here as quickly as possible. I also believe that all businesses operate on supply and demand. So mm-hmm. if there's something that is going to be better in the more immediate future, then then it gets taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, and I know how that works with business, too. You can't be in business for 37 years and keep everything just exactly the same. You have mm-hmm. to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So absolutely. Um, just because I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are really passionate about this issue. Um, 
I think some of the reason that people are people who are very anti LNG are upset is because PSE kind of continued building this plant without the proper permits, and it seemed a little bit like a meh. We know this is going to go through, so we're not worried. You know, we're just going to keep building. Is that something that bothers you? I mean, is there would there any be any recourse as a port commissioner that you could take for uh, an agency kind of flouting the rules like that? Well, taking a look at at all of that, I've looked at all the permits that have been done and and the dates that they were done, and as early as 2015, I understand that there was in the permitting, and you'd have to ask. I haven't. I can't specifically speak to this. I, I know a little bit about it, but in a permitting process, you are allowed, once you put in a permit, uh, you're allowed a certain amount of building. Mm. And so I think that that's probably where there was, you know, some um, some difficulties with some folks thinking that they're just going ahead, going ahead and, and building. Um, Governor Inslee also, back at that period of time, um, decided that he was going to give some tax incentives for them. So mm-hmm. it was a green light on a lot of different agencies, you know, radar. Good point. So, you know, I think that, you know, we need to be fair, certainly, to all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then as as it went along, they, they have got, gotten quite a few permits in, in the meantime. Um, we'll see how Puget Sound Clean Air agency will deal with that. I'm glad that they're listening to public hearings and 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 everything and we'll see, we'll see what proceeds from that. But okay, great. All right, we're going to take a real quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Candace again. As you know, before taking over Citizen Tacoma, I was a reporter in Tacoma and also New York. This is going to sound a little crazy, but in 2011, I was frantically running through the JFK airport in New York, trying to chase down a French politician for an interview, when an earthquake struck. Everyone started freaking out. Felt like a scene from a movie. When I moved to Washington, I decided to get serious about earthquake preparedness. That's why I'll be participating in the Great Washington Shakeout, scheduled for October 17 at 10.17 a.m., Everyone in the state is encouraged to take a minute to drop, cover, and hold on, just like you would in a real earthquake. This isn't just for kids in schools, though they'll be participating too. We all need to build muscle memory and practice to make sure you don't run out the door and get hit by falling debris in the next big earthquake. So do it for real with the great Washington shakeout. Get down on the floor and hold on. Then do one more thing. Get that out-of-state relative or friend to be an out-of-area contact you can text in an emergency or work on your emergency kit. Again, ShakeOut is scheduled for 10.17 a.m. on October 17th. Got that? 10.17 on 10.17? Easy to remember. You can learn more at shakeout.org Washington. Use hashtag ShakeOut on social media to post ShakeOut selfies after. Thanks to the Great Washington ShakeOut for sponsoring this episode of Channel 253. All right, welcome back. Uh, if you are enjoying this third of our many interviews with candidates for office in Tacoma and our local area in 2019, please become a member of Channel 253. It's only $4 a month or $40 a year, and $40 a year is a, a lot less than my monthly internet bill, so it seems like a really good use of your money. Right, Deanna? Absolutely. Especially <laughs> with your, your local area. I mean, you need to hear about and be involved in it for sure. Exactly. All right. So we were talking about LNG plant and kind of uh, environmental issues at the Port of Tacoma. Deanna, again, is running for Port Position 3. 
Um, so, Deanna, we were talking about we've talked a lot on this podcast about the interim regulations for the tide flats. And you mentioned the subarea plan, which is kind of going to be this planning roadmap for the future of the tide flats. What what do we want? to see here? What do we not want to see here? Um, so do you support expanding fossil fuel production at the port or curbing it? And like, what would be your your vision on that? Well, I think definitely, and I would probably more say I'm not a fan of ex- expanding it. I wouldn't be okay with that. I've told told people that I am okay with replacing fossil fuels until we get, can get something else. And mm-hmm. I want it to go cleaner. You know, I'd certainly like to be able to see energy grids and um, solar panels and uh, wind turbine power and things like that. And I know a lot of people are working on those sorts of things, but until we can get up to speed with that and keep I just want to keep moving away from that. I'd like to see coal go away for mm-hmm. sure, and that would be a first. Replacing some of our diesel where we can with electricity where we can. I think that um, I view the LNG facility or the LNG as being a replacement fuel for diesel, mm-hmm. which, you know, in the in the It's just another interrupt. fossil fuel. Yeah, yeah. and it is an, another fossil fuel, but I don't see that me personally as an expansion and people have argued with me but you know that's where I'm coming from with that mm-hmm. I don't want to continue to grow it I don't want to export it I don't want to have anything to do with that mm-hmm. if it's going to fill fulfill some you know immediate needs for right now I think that everybody can agree that with you know their gas stoves it would be nice to go away from that it would be nice to go away from electricity because most of our electricity is either made from coal or from hydroelectric dams which mm-hmm. is not clean right right so we you know we just need to keep investigating keep working together to to change that out explain about the hydroelectric dams so I have a daughter who is a uh, conservation biologist, and she works with North Cascades National Park, and she got her master's degree at the University of Alaska, Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. And so she did her master's thesis. They did, um, they did, did samplings of the, um, the spawning salmon on the Susitna River, and she was paid by Alaska Energy Authority for her uh, room and board and also for, for her scholarship. So it was well, you know, full paid. Um, she had the the fun job of of working in the environment and working with a lot of people um, on her team. But they were planning to put a dam on the Susitna River, and I think the state of Alaska said, "Hey, let's take a look at this. Let's use some of our our local, you know, our our, um, our universities and, and take a look at that." And so they, after she worked. She and her team worked on that. They decided not to uh, change the ecological environment with the hydroelectric dams. So uh, they saved the salmon who were spawning in in that river. So the concern is for the salmon, yes, and the and whatever other wildlife it it affects. Yes, yes, and it definitely has affected our Chinook salmon. I mean, we're seeing that, and that also, you know, affects our orcas as well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, certainly the climate change with regard to the water warming up is part of it. But I think the more immediate problem that we've got are those hydroelectric dams. And the lack of fish. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we definitely need to switch those out, too. That's a good point. I think, I mean, I when you hear like hydroelectric dams, like, oh, that sounds green. So that sounds safe and clean. Yeah. It's interesting. We all need to do more research on that. Yeah. In fact, there are a lot of um, people, if you do research on it, who... Um, mark up the hydroelectric dams, and they're trying to actively, you know, go against those because of that reason too. So interesting, interesting. All right. Um, so, what about like if 
back to the interim regs and fossil fuels. What about if U.S. oil, an oil refinery that's been on the tide flats for decades, what if they want to expand? Do you see that as a problem or no? Yes. And we'd have to figure out what that means if they were wanting to export. I mean, I think we've clearly said as as a community that we're, we're not in favor of that. So, mm. you know, we'll have to, you know, listen to what they have to say, what their purpose is. I think this would be something good for the sub-area plan to, to sit and talk about as, as a group of people and zoning and allowing that to happen. I had mentioned to a couple of people, too, that, you know, I'm a big believer in democracy, and that means getting a lot of people to come together and to come to a conclusion and that we need to honor those kinds of agreements when we do that as well. Mm-hmm. So That's the sub-area plan in a nutshell, hopefully. That is, yeah. And I, I think it's it'll be interesting to see how that I, I know it's going a lot more slowly than people want, but it really is a process of, you know, getting the right person to facilitate that who's mm-hmm. an objective third party, who's who's very good at bringing people together to uh, monitor that and to draw out the best in, in, in everyone. Who do you think that person would be ideally? I don't know. I worked on a um, strategic plan with the Puyallup School District, and we had a hired facilitator. Mm-hmm. And we had people who actually interviewed with a sub-area plan, or I'm sorry, the strategic plan committee. And, and we chose, you know, collectively chose which person we wanted. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, kind of yeah. like a center for dialogue and resolution type person. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um so you've kind of said the in your view the the port has a responsibility to protect the environment. Absolutely, we all do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely all do. For sure. And um okay, so earlier today, and I know we talked about this a little bit, um a Channel 253 story by Sean Robinson, former News Tribune reporter, was published saying that your company, Caltech Plastics, has done business with ICE in the past. So tell us a little bit about what is the nature of that business and what you guys provided for ICE. Sure. I mean, it's a very small portion of our business. We actually, how it happened was that we had some special agents and police officers coming in. I mentioned our retail Mm -hmm. area where we have end cuts and things like that, and they build a lot of their own things. Uh, It's to conceal or to create housings that conceal some electronics to kind of very same thing ideas we do with our ring doorbells and we do all of our camera surveillance stuff. It's to um, help them with their jobs so that rather than um, having a squad car or something sitting out in front of somebody's house watching their comings and goings, uh, we sell to HHS and it has to do with uh, youth and health and and human services. Health and human (laughs) services. And um, so they do uh, medical fraud. Uh, cases. Also, postal inspectors, they do the same sort of thing. Uh, all the local police uh, departments and sheriff departments all throughout the country we sell to. Um, so we build, you know, we can form plastic housings that mm-hmm. look like the environment, whatever they want. And it's very onesie, twosie. I mean, there are multiple other companies. Davis Sign is another one who I think is based here in the in Puget Sound. Um, does the same thing. I mean, their sign company is their primary business, but they, you know, will help law enforcement out by building these things because they don't have the equipment to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, I have no contract with ICE. I think what people were seeing is basically a, a U.S. government purchase order. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have anything ongoing. People will call. I think the, the ones that, that people saw were um, in 2014, mm-hmm. one of the... Um, 
probably one of the later ones, and we haven't been doing it for that long. We've been doing it probably 12 years. And it's it can be as little as $0, and it can be as much as maybe 10000 or uh, or 20000 And that's just something to, like, just because I have no idea about this world of surveillance, really. But, like, something to, like, hide the surveillance equipment so it doesn't look super obvious. Right. Okay. Yeah. And um, and you said it was 2014. I believe in the story it said 2014. And then was it also in 2017? And 2017, I believe, mm-hmm. the ones that, that people took a look at. And I think it was during the time when the uh, White House administration didn't demonize ICE in the way that they are now. And mm-hmm. you need to know that a lot of these special agents don't agree with some of the things that they're being asked to do, but it's their job and, you know, they, they follow what they're supposed to be doing. But to my knowledge that those sorts of things were to catch um, drug traffickers, human traffickers especially. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. Um, like, I, I guess our, our biggest customer is DEA, Drug Enforcement Administration. So uh, a lot of it is for public safety. Some of these Camera, some of the camera equipment that we've sold to Tacoma Police Department was used for the Chamber Bay, um, oh, the, uh, the U.S. Open. Yeah. yeah. And just to, to make sure. In fact, they used a lot of other agencies' um, camera equipment to, you know, it was, again, for public safety and to make sure people were okay. Have you guys sold it like, TPD for surveillance projects that they've had and that sort of Some, thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think we've also sold to University Place Police. Um, they have a they have some in their parks to keep, you know, right. down the gang activity. I think a lot of the school systems are going with surveillance too to make sure that kids if the buses have, you know, camera systems on them. I used that when I was a principal so that if somebody was beaten up on a bus and the driver couldn't see that we would replay the footage and then I could handle that that disciplinary action that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this isn't unusual. I just think that unfortunately you get into a, a situation where now that uh, the White House is using this um, public safety in a, in a way that we don't all agree with. So it's unfortunate for that. But now that the White House is doing that, though, and it brings you so little income, why not just be done with it? I mean, for five thousand, ten thousand dollars, why not just say we will not f- purchase, we will not fulfill this purchase order? And I'd have to talk with our family about that. I mean, that's they don't do that much business with us, and I probably w- I wouldn't have an issue with that. Yeah, I mean, just for the taint of it, if nothing else, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just for that. good question, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Um, so do you, do you feel? I mean, now is this something you've thought about as like? This is, you know, this this doesn't align with my beliefs. This is something that I wish that we could get away from. In terms of just selling, like doing business with ICE at all. Like I said, we could talk about right. it too. You know, mm-hmm. for sure. I'd I'd rather resolve the issue of the way that ICE is being used first of all, because my se- not my not selling to them isn't going to change what they do, right. right? So, I think we can. I'd rather spend. I mean, I have no problem not selling to them, but I also – you need to understand that if, if I say I'm going to sell to Tacoma Police Department and I'm going to sell to um, DEA, but ICE, I'm not going to sell to you. Mm-hmm. I I don't know that that's – I'll have to talk, you know, again with my husband and figure out how we wrestle with that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So It's good. It's important conversations for, for us all to have in this Absolutely. day and age. Yeah. Um, so – on the ICE Northwest Detention Center Geo Group 
topic. Um, I think I read in that article that you, I believe, had said that all candidates at a recent forum who were running for the Port of Tacoma Commission said they don't agree with having the Northwest Detention Center on the Tide Flats. Yes. Um, Yeah. Tell me, is there anything you can do or would do as a port commissioner? Well, I'd certainly take a look at their lease, first of all. And I'm I'm I plan on asking for that, you know, asking about that and figuring out what what we can do for that. There is no way that first of all, I don't agree with detention. There's got to be another way. We've we've struggled with this for decades and something different needs to be done about it for sure. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I don't agree with putting people on an industrial site. There is no way that that's, you know, there's social injustice just in that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're talking about being around machinery that's operating around the clock I mean, it's it's just not a good place for them to be. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather put them in a, it, you know, certainly work with them to find it a, a better place. But um, again, an industrial area, they shouldn't be there. And we all came out about the, uh, against that at the Citizens for a Healthy Bay uh, candidate forum with the League of Women Voters. Mm-hmm. And every single person, every candidate um, said that they were against that. Mm-hmm. So if there were plans to expand it, would you vote against that? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. No doubt about it. Um, and, okay, so uh, you are running against Frank Boykin for this position. Um, how does his campaign differ from yours, and what do you want to do differently? Well, I think what I've done is that I've tried to get <clears throat> bipartisan support. And I think people, when they start looking at your P- PDC, they start saying, you know, that there's businesses. And, of course, there's business. But I also have a lot of good friends that, um, you know, it, it, myself included, I think I gave about $10,000 to my own campaign. <laughs> so, you know, I, I believe in it. And I believe uh, Mr. Boykin did, too. Um, so but I really wanted to this was my big experiment also going into politics. I wanted to see if a person who had the qualifications to be able to do a job like this, which is, you know, running a governmental agency, which is doing, you know, running business. I'm also a, um, I own five parcels of commercial property in Tacoma. I know how to operate that. I know how to go through leases and all of that. I thought, I just want to run on my qualifications and the fact that I want to make a difference. And it's been difficult. Sometimes people try and draw you into being partisan one way or the other. And I, um, so my endorsements have shown that. And I'm not afraid. Who are some of your endorsements? Um, most of the labor unions. Mm-hmm. So Longshore, um, trying to think, uh, firefighters, um, uh, East Pierce Fire and also Tacoma Fire, um, the Tacoma Pierce County Building Trades Council, uh, Building Trades, Building Construction Trades Council, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Pacific Maritime Shipping Association. Um, I've had elected officials, Bruce Dammeyer, uh, Pierce County Executive, um, Norm Dix, um, mm. former congressman, uh, Dave Morrell, uh, County Council, um, Connie Ladenberg, County Council. Um, who else do I have? Um, City Council, Robert Toms. Mm. Um I've got uh, Dick Murray with the 28th, um, and I've got, let's see, Llewellyn Lucid, who's the chair of the 26th uh, Legislative uh, District Democrats. So, and, sorry, sorry to break okay. in, but uh, so 
when you say you wanted to see if you could run on your qualifications and if that would, you know, elevate you, um, are you saying uh, like uh, as opposed to running on name recognition or having experience in this town politically or? Well, I think that there's been some of that, too. I mean, I've obviously, you know, I've been on several boards, have been president of the Broadway Center board. Our business has won uh, best mid-sized business in Pierce County um, in 2014. I've received Golden Acorn Awards, you know, district-wide in Puyallup and, you know, for service to communities. So I'm not new to this community. I've been in Pierce County for for 31 years, been a leader in Pierce County for 24 years. So I think that there's a certain amount of name recognition, but I, I really want people to start taking a look at who's the best qualified for the job, not mm-hmm. who has the pull here, or who has the pull there. I, I can tell you that people love to label. Mm-hmm. And um, it's if you went into a job interview, would you ask somebody if they were a Democrat or a Republican? Right, right. Would you ask them how they feel about abortion? <laughs> You've you? been asked that? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure that's relevant to a Port of Tacoma commission member, but maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't know. People see things in all different kinds of lights. and yeah. yeah. But it's a nonpartisan race. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, basically the way that I've tried to run this campaign. I've also tried to run it the way that I'm going to be, want to be as a commissioner, being open, being down there, asking the questions. To date, I believe, in fact, I heard this this weekend that I've been, that there's only been two people of all the six candidates prior to the primary um, who have gone down to the port to ask, to interview and ask questions. Oh, wow. So, you know, I've... You and who else? I want to say it was Shelley mm-hmm. Schlumpf, but um, but I, I interviewed John Wolf and I know um, Eric Johnson. Mm-hmm. I've talked, like I said, Tote Maritime, been down there with longshoremen, worked with Tacoma Fire, asked what all the concerns are. I've been out door- doorbelling and mm-hmm. I went up into uh, North Tacoma, Browns Point area to ask people, you know, about the port, what they think. So I'm trying to run it the way that so that you're seeing what you're going to get. So um, and also wanting to, like I said, get out in front of people who um, who have disagreements or something. I want to really sit down and have some some conversations. And people have been very respectful of my time and I appreciate that. But I really would better um, put their minds to rest or to help them understand where I'm coming from. And I especially want to understand where they're coming from. I think you have to listen to learn. Mm -hmm. You just, I'm not trying to push me on them. I'm trying to say, I want to understand how to better serve you. So what are some of the concerns you're hearing that you want to talk to people about or differences in opinion you might have with people you've sat down with? Well, I think that, I think, well, first of all, political the politics in general there are a lot of people who are um, don't trust government mm. and I talked to Melissa a little bit while we were driving her because she's been on commissions she's done some governmental things and she said I don't understand where that's coming from and I think some of it is probably because everybody assumes that somebody's paying you money and so you have mm. to follow them and that's why I also didn't want to run on a uh, in a position where there was a platform that I had to subscribe to. And I don't think I could do that, quite honestly. So I think it would be very difficult for me. And, um, you know, I want to support people and I want to recruit people who I see as the best, who are, you know, community leaders, leaders wanting to be engaged. So I'm hoping that they see that with me as well. So Right. All right. And so that's kind of why you said you're the right person. We kind of answered the why are you the right person for the job. Um, 
why are you the right person for this job as opposed to your opponent? I think it's because of my background, the fact that I have a very diverse background. And um, I think that Frank's work has been at UPS for 25 years. He's done a lot of great community work and all of that. And I talked today with my FedEx um, sales rep, which is what um, Frank did there at UPS. And so, um, you know, he would monitor the sales account for for different companies, as does my sales rep. Um, I think that for me, for being a business owner, to work for a company versus a business owner who's legally, morally, ethically responsible, socially responsible for a business, you can't compare that, at least in my mind. Somebody could argue that, but that's my opinion, since you're asking. But um, And also, you know, running governmental agencies, I know the difference between a levy and a bond. I understand PDC, um, you know, with regard to that. I understand the, the faith that people have to have in you fiscally and, again, socially, morally, and, and all of those things. So I do that with my business. And I also make sure that I'm that way with my customers as well That um, and our suppliers, that I keep my word and I do what I say I'm going to do. And, you know, it, uh, I respond very quickly um, and I, again, I don't have a hard time meeting. I just do my work as I did as a principal before the teachers got there and after they left. Mm-hmm. So, and um, my my other kinds of work, but the door was always open and I was always in classrooms. And, and so I'm used to doing all of those kinds of things. And I forgot to mention I was a Marine Corps veteran. So, oh. yeah. So I served. Thank you for your uh, service. No, thank you. Yeah, I was five years. And so, in. You know, you don't have to do those kinds of things. You do it because you love your country and you can give skills for that. And I played in the um, United States Marine Band in Washington, D.C. and had top secret security clearance for doing all the White House duties. And um, so it— Bury the lead on that one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it was—I didn't need to do it. I could have—in fact, one of my— professors said, you know, why didn't you wait for a symphony orchestra job? Why'd you do the band? And I said, well— I, I'm excited to to you know serve in the be in the United States Marine Corps, so I enjoyed that. Great, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Pleasure to get to know you too. Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma today. We are part of the Channel Two Five Three Network, where you can also find these podcasts: Move to Tacoma, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies. We Art Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounders B-Team, and Taco Man. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you heard on the show today, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, please email me at candice.rude at gmail.com. That's Candice with an I, dot rude, R-U-U-D, at gmail.com. The Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Candice Rood, and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.